I am Brennan Sahajan, and I tend bar at Washington State's best beer bar, the Manitou Tap House. I decided to make a podcast because the regular customers who come in are the most eclectic group of people I have ever met, and I want all of you to know the perspective and stories from the people from my bar. Today on the podcast, I was lucky enough to talk with a strong, grounded woman who has an incredible influence on Spokane, Washington. She's been making our city a better place for over 40 years. Also, she has been a regular at the Manitou Tap House since its inception, and not just because she is our coffee provider, but because she believes in the culture of the Tap House. Her and her husband have been wonderful friends to me, and I always enjoy seeing them in the neighborhood when I take my daughter for walks. This brave, beautiful woman is a treasure we need to cherish as long as we can. Please enjoy the one and only... Deb DiBernardo. Well, we're going. Um, well, awesome. First of all, let's cheers and thank you. Cheers. Ciao. Mm. Uh, I really appreciate you doing this. Thank you for your time. I know it's important and valuable. I, I say that to everyone because I believe it. So, especially you, you're a very busy woman. Very busy woman. So, anywho, let's just dive into the questions. First one, who are you and what led you to be that person? That's so loaded. Oh, yeah, exactly. That, and that's why so loaded. I asked it because... So who am I? You could answer it any way you want. I... Let's see. I am Deborah DiBernardo. I own Roast House Coffee and First Avenue Coffee. We're wholesale mm. roasters and we have a retail coffee outlet. Yeah. Minimally, that's who you are. Minimally, yeah. that's who I am. My background. Um, oh, gee. Uh, immigrant parents from Sicily and Italy. Grew up in New York in our family restaurant. Moved out of New York when I was in high school to Alaska, Bend, Oregon. Uh, what part of Spokane. New York? Queens. Oh. Jackson Heights. Oh, right on. Community of Italians and Jews, you know, immigrant Jews and Italians. Um, yeah, so tiny little community in this big city. Mm-hmm. Very tight, very close, uh, food-driven, relationship-driven. Of course. So, and then we moved west and we thought, what the fuck happened? Mm-hmm. Why? Why were we moved? to what we thought was this very sterile West Coast where there's very little interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't call on neighbors. You didn't take a cake or, yeah. or a bottle of wine to the neighbor and visit. You know, you had to be invited. Everything was scheduled. So, But I've been here in Spokane now for, well, since the day after Mount St. Helens blew. Oh. Right on. Yeah, I literally moved to town. The day after? The day after. I had no idea it blew, had blown. I'm just driving an old van with just a tape deck, no radio. So I had no idea what was going on with two infant children. And came through uh, Tri-Cities and then Ritzville and wondered what the hell happened. Because oh, yeah. all I saw was ash and I had no access to news. <laughs> <laughs> so. Wow. That was crazy. What an interesting arrival. That's that awesome, was. actually. That was. Huh. So, and I've been here ever ever since. So this is the longest I've lived someplace. Four years. It. Yeah. Oh, right on. Well, very cool. Um, well, 
That's great. So, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot more in there that maybe you can... I, I like it, and that's I still think it's kind of the the bare minimum of who you are. Oh, it is. It's a, it's a minimum. I see. So what else about me? <clears throat> <sighs> I mean, you were an entrepreneur. Like, how did you how did you get to there? Like, what what made you get into the coffee business like that? All of that. That that's a loaded question too. Sure, so, but it's all part of what, who you maybe, are, and I want to hear it, and everybody else does too. I'm sure they're dying. They, you know. they are. That's why um, I'm doing this. I, my children's father and I had a, a very large divorce bankruptcy practice. Mm-hmm. I was the business manager. He was the attorney. We had offices all around the state. I ran the businesses, the mm-hmm. offices, um, and we made just a buttload of money. Uh, but it was, it was so horrific to deal with people every day, numerous people every day who were going through the worst time in their lives. So if not divorced, then loaded up with a bankruptcy too. Uh, so there, you know, just a double whammy and it was pretty horrific. And after, uh, 20 years, I just didn't want to do it anymore. I, I, don't, I don't want to be a part of it because my every interaction with people who were in so much pain they couldn't stand I couldn't stand it so I uh, how'd told, you make it 20 years I mean I know dealing I, with a, that well, kind of a thing day in and day out well you know he was able and most employees were able just to uh, compartment Compartmentalize it. You know, it's like here, this is just what I do during the day, and they weren't impacted. I'm different, and every interaction just broke my heart. Of course. I mean, I don't know if this is... I I believe that that's how women are. Men can compartmentalize things very easily, and women are... And yet we had 75% women employees, and they didn't seem bothered. Oh, interesting. Um, Yeah. So I just decided I was going to do something different, and I, I left our law practice. I replaced myself. I got a GM and different managers for each location, and I opened a little ca- coffee shop on Broadway, right next, just down the street from where Indaba is now today. Oh, okay. Uh, we owned a building down there, and uh, opened up this coffee shop. I wanted to get back into food, that thing that... I grew up in food. Yeah, it was warm. It was nurturing, and I wanted to do that. So I did that. Completely and different kind of culture. Completely different <laughs> culture. <laughs> so there went the thousand dollar suits and the long fingernails and the coiffed <laughs> hair and and the high heels to um, me being my only employee mm-hmm. with a coffee shop, one of the first small espresso machines in town. Um, it was, it would have been great, except for the day I opened it, my husband served me with divorce papers. So, wow. so it was, it was a, it was challenging. It was Double hard. Double whammy again. Double whammy again. You would think we knew, we knew better than almost anybody, you know, as having a divorce practice, what you should, shouldn't do mm-hmm. in life. And, and here, um, 
he wasn't happy that I had left our practice and he wasn't going to support me in a new business. So anyway, I did that. Um, we owned the business. No, we owned the building. And then I lost the building in our divorce. So I had to find a, I had to find a job for the first time in decades and decades. I had to actually find a job. So I, I did. I went to work for Thomas Hammer yeah. as his uh, sales manager, wholesale sales manager, and did that for... Oh, I oh Thomas Hammer is an actual person? Tom? Tommy Boy. Tommy Brat Boy Hammer. Yes. I have no idea. Yeah. I just thought that was the name of it. No, oh. he, he lives right over here. Oh, Right by Comstock. Oh, didn't know that. Um, yeah. So he's a graduate of GU. Oh, very cool. You know? He went into business with the dean of uh, the business school. Uh, so anyway, I worked What's with him. The new place he's putting up looks enormous. Doesn't it? About it's going to be a diner or something or what? I don't know. Because it's know. It is way bigger than a coffee shop needs to be. Well, I think he. it looks like, based on the marketing I see outside with the corkscrew mm -hmm. on the marketing on the little images. Oh, I didn't see a corkscrew. That'd be great. I think they, he's going to do beer wine. Cool. Right so, um, it'll be his first mm, yeah. doing that. Yeah. A lot of coffee shops are moving toward that. You know, make your late afternoon and your evening hours profitable. Yeah, totally. Versus, you know, you make 75% of your uh, money in the first, what, four hours, five hours of the day, and mm -hmm. then the rest of the day, maybe another 20, 25%. And that might be another eight, ten hours. Yeah. So I would imagine that's what he's doing. But he doesn't talk to me, so oh. I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> okay. So. <clears throat> well, right on. Well, that's awesome. Um, so you've had a lot happen. How, like, what time period are we talking where you sort of ended there? Tom, the year before I started Rose House, so that was... 2010, so I guess he let me go in 2009. Oh, okay. Uh, I worked with him. I learned a lot about coffee, where it came from, the impact it has on the environment. Um, yeah. The impact it has on us. Mm -hmm. It's one of the most toxic crops grown. Um, and it also is one of the most uh, impactful crops on our natural ecosystem. So lots of deforestation, deforestation and then tons of chemicals then to grow the product. Sure. And once you deforest, nothing will grow. Yeah. So in addition to deforesting, changing the climate, the microsystem in those areas, um, then they use tons of chemicals, again, making it one of the most toxic crops. And then we consume it. Yeah. So I learned far too much. And Nobody else seems to care, or very few people seem to care in the industry. Again, it didn't make sense to me. I couldn't, I couldn't do that. I mm -hmm. couldn't make, help him make money at the expense of the environment yeah. and or our health. So uh, he asked me to leave his business. Hmm. So yeah. I did. Well, good thing he did, right? I made him batshit crazy. He's <laughs> just like, please, please. Um, yeah, so we did. And boom. Yeah, so I'm at, where is, 
our national cemetery in Virginia. What was that? I don't know. What do you mean? Military National Where is Cemetery. it? No, what's the name of it? Arlington. Arlington. Yeah. So I'm at, Ar- I'm at <laughs> <laughs> the reason I asked you this is so six months after he lets me go, I'm at my uncle who's a colonel, mm. you know, and we're at his funeral in Arlington. It's just a bunch of Italians. You know, and we're waiting for the cash cassons, we can hear them coming down. And my Uncle Joe says, So Dad, why don't you just get yourself a cooker and do your own coffee? And I say, Uncle Joe, you have no idea what this involved, what it what's involved. And he said, Oh, you ran this big law practice, you just mm-hmm. do it. Just go get yourself a cooker. Yourself a, cook. <laughs> a cooker. So it's like <clears throat> so that was that was the summer of 2009, and January 2010, I had found a location. I had found a roaster, the equipment. I had a partnership with uh, an experienced roaster, and we did. We opened we opened our own. So awesome. And the commitment was we we're going to do fair trade, shade grown, bird friendly, Rainforest Alliance. Uh, women premium coffee. So we're going to do coffees that had just a positive impact on the planet and yeah. the communities where it came from. Right. And also in the community and where it sold. Sure. Because we not only don't pay living wages for the coffee in those third world countries, but we don't pay living wages in the community where we hire the employees. Right. So the goal was let's do it different. Awesome. So You're right on. that's what that's what I set out to do now Tom was in a house five times the size of my house so I just don't you know and you don't have to share that but being in business or starting a business where you're focused on paying living wages not only here in your community but in you know with those farmers where you source your product from and only sourcing products that don't have a negative impact on the environment means that you're probably paying one to four hundred percent more for your green raw product. I'm sure. Um, and so for the last ten and a half, eleven years this January, we've been figuring out how do you pay a minimum hundred percent more for this product. So that it's fair, it's equitable, it doesn't have a negative impact, um, and make money. Yeah. Because you have to make money, <clears throat> or you're not doing yourself or anybody else a favor. Yeah. So it has. Uh, it's been a bit of a challenge, but we're working it out. Oh, and then to top it off, there is almost nobody who sells one pound coffee bags. We seem to be the only idiots that sell one pound coffee bags. And we sell those one pound coffee bags for the same price every competitor in Spokane and across the country sells their 12 ounce bags for, or 10 ounce bags. Why don't you change that? I like the thought of a full, true one pound. 
I just, it irritates me that gallons aren't gallons, quarts aren't quarts anymore. I know, why? why and pounds aren't happened? pounds. So, well, it's just how can uh, producers eke out a few more pennies? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I just... It's in everything. I can't even believe it. I think we're one of the few, and we've gotten, we've gotten beat up by... Uh, other roasters that were cheapening the industry mm-hmm. by selling true one pound bags. We make less money. Mm-hmm. But you can see from here, yeah, you know, we live we live modestly. Mm-hmm. We don't require <clears throat> uh, the profits that most roasters do earn. Um, it's just it's what's important to us and that's what we do. Yeah, it's great. It's so awesome. well um I mean we're going to transition into the second question. It's so it's kind of heavy, but it's based upon what you're talking, your your theme overall, I would say. Um, uh, do you think, or what do you think, is worth dying for? Or do any causes or things hold enough weight anymore that you, you know, would go to that kind of extent? I, I mean, a lot of what you're we're dying you're, for. You're mm-hmm. talking about social justice, and you're talking about, you know, being being a, a fair and honest person. Basically, uh, I don't know these. You know, I never thought of what I would die for, and I haven't told you this, but I have stage four terminal cancer again. I can. Not again, but I now have. So this is the second times, yeah. And oh boy, well. So hey. So what am I going to die for? I am going to die possibly because of the contaminants that we breathe, we eat, we drink every day. Our dogs pick up when they sniff grass, or you know take a chunk of that dirty snow out there on the sidewalk as we're walking our dogs. Um, I can't imagine that there's anything more important than preserving what's left of our remaining ecosystem uh, for your children. It won't impact me. I am living to the fullest, right? I have everything, everything. Um, yes, everything is having a negative impact on me. And if you think about it, one out of 2.75 Americans have cancer, will have cancer. Uh, I've lost so many friends this last year from cancer. Um, it's just, we live in a highly toxic environment and we continue to contribute to that toxicity to make profits. And it's just, it's the most vile, evil, wrong thing I can think. And it's the most disappointing thing about us as a species. I just don't understand why people won't just open their eyes, pay attention, and protect what little is left. Just clean water, clean air, you know. Um, and soil that's not full of contaminants so that you can grow foods. And I think of your children, your babies, and it's like they deserve, they deserve what 
my parents' generation had foods free of toxic chemicals. Yeah. My entire generation and yours was raised on chemicals. Everything you touch is chemicals. Our counters, our floors, our, our furniture, uh, the plastic we store our foods in, the plastic bags we put our foods in when we get them. So um, there is nothing more important to me. And we have waived taking money from Roast House. We hadn't paid them. We didn't pay ourselves for the first nine years um, running Roast House because we wanted to plow that back in. One, we were paying considerably more for these products. Two, uh, we wanted to make sure our employees made living wages. Sorry about that. It's okay. We wanted them to make living wages. We thought it was more important for them. We're okay. We're fine. You know, we, we have everything we need. Uh, we have a damn cute little house. Yeah. Um, we're fine. So... What is more important? What would I die for? Hmm. Trying to preserve an environment for for your children's generation, for my granddaughter's generation. Yeah. Fuck everybody who won't contribute, who isn't concerned and won't. I mean, they'll forego the environment in exchange for profit so they can have, what, a second car, a third car, a boat, a lake right. house, or whatever. Right. Um, that I don't get. So, if that makes any damn sense. It does. I feel like s such a damn hippie. <laughs> There's <laughs> nothing wrong with being a hippie. Such a hippie. <clears throat> did you know I went to, I, you know I went to Rwanda last year. I did. And here I'm working with these, this community of women. So the whole conference, the reason I was flown to Rwanda is that they were trying to recognize and encourage women to take ownership of what they were doing because they are the primary workers, producers of the coffee. So they wanted to really empower them and introduce them to female roasters from yeah. you know first world countries. Um, and it was the most incredible thing to see people in one, they, most of the women I had run into had to shave their heads because there wasn't enough water to wash their hair. And the, the clothing was um, so dirt-riddled that the clothes were deteriorating because they didn't have water to wash them. Sure. And the clothing was all stuff donated by First World Nations. We have such an abundance stuff and we donated to third world nations who can't even typically keep up with with that which is donated they can't get it out to those rural communities yeah um just crazy and so the difference in my life versus their life our lives versus their lives uh, it became very real mm -hmm. very real i mean we all know we all know other people don't have what we have, but until you spend a week oh, yeah. seeing it, and you have been through this. I have, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I worked for three years in a abject poverty slum in Thailand. It was, um, I mean, I, 
it was rough. But, um, yeah, it changes your, your whole world view. It changes everything. Too bad um, more of us can't travel. I know. Yeah. I agree. It should be mandatory. But, but, that, but then if they do travel and they just see all, all these people who don't have and are asking for handouts or, or are just, their clothing is deteriorating off their bodies, mm -hmm. don't we just look the other way and dismiss them? Oftentimes. Yeah. Sadly. So. I mean, talking about Rwanda, like they were being attacked and we looked the other way. They were I mean, slaughtering. Yeah, slaughtering. It's yeah, it's... I know. We're still doing what, it. What Darfur. Oh, Darfur. We, we won't step in. We won't do a thing. I know. And, and I don't even try to fix everything. And I try not to focus or allow my focus to, you know, expand into all these other areas and issues. Because I don't think, again, anything's more important than preserving water land, air. So without that, everything else just is crazy. Yeah, so. I, I mean, no, I, I completely agree. You have to, and we kind of have to take care of our, we got to take care of ourselves in order to be able to help others too. It's the mm -hmm. whole, this whole airplane dropping oxygen thing, you know? Yeah. And until we figure out that we have to take care of ourselves. Yeah. Well. And that's why as a, you know, as a business, I only do coffees that are environmentally mm -hmm. sustainable. Oh, yeah. And it's so funny because we get so much flack because of that. I guess we're threatening to our competitors. Uh, we've had so many complaints. Because filed. you're a good example? We have complaints filed against us uh, through the USDA organic certification because we're one of the very few roasters in the United States that's a hundred percent organic so we do have local roasters who file complaints and then that means we have to spend up to a year with each complaint you know providing documentation showing proving showing yeah. that whole trail um, and even just recently somebody filed a complaint against First Avenue or coffee shop saying that we offer indoor seating at this time where indoor seating is disallowed because mm -hmm. of the virus. There is no seating in the cafe. We <laughs> removed it all. <laughs> so, but nonetheless, so we have, we have generated quite a bit of angst by, uh, our, by competitors. Uh, and it's been very interesting as we, you know, as we plow forward. <clears throat> Gosh. Not allowing that to slow us down too much. The cutthroat, cutthroat uh, capitalistic society, right? How do we continue if we don't do something different? I don't know. That is a good question. That was one of the things I loved about TAP was, you know, when Patrick first opened it, you know, mm -hmm. he was working with local foods to the degree in which he could. Yeah. Um, and that meant so much to me. And that was Me my too. commitment too. <laughs> That's when I was when I started there. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. And hence, I still am still committed to it. We were out there last was it last weekend, mm -hmm. bundled up in our coats, drinking and nibbling on hors d'oeuvres, um, because 
it's important to us. And yes, it's changed, it's transitioned, but the commitment still is to the tap. So it's right there, it's down the block. Yeah. Well, I so. appreciate that, and you. Yeah. So, thanks. Um, all right. Shift. Sheesh. Shift, uh, baby. <laughs> yeah. Net, well, <clears throat> thank you. Uh, you're, I mean, you're, you're just a very poignant person, and I love that, and I appreciate it. Um, before I get into the next question. Okay. Just want you to know that. Uh, so, yeah. Kind of lost my... I know. It's really hard. I don't share with a lot of people what's going on because I just... I want every interaction. I don't want every interaction to be that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so let me back this up before you ask that question. Okay. Summertime, this last summer since June through September... I had over, you know, a dozen fractures from the bone cancer, and yeah. I was totally bedridden and couldn't walk and do anything. Yeah, I remember you telling me. In, so in your hip or something? Or? Everywhere. Oh, everywhere. Hips, ribs, pelvis, arm, legs. Um, so I feel right now, I feel so incredibly wonderful and grateful and joyful that uh, I can. I can walk, I, I can, I can, I won't be able to do anything like ski or bicycle or anything because the bones will never, the cancer just continues and even though we keep treating the bones to try to thicken them, you know, and everything else, um, I am so fucking grateful. So, the, so my life here forward will be just what we're doing, not, oh shit, the Deb, you're sick, you're dying, you're this, you're that. It can't be that. It's mm. it's gotta be it's gotta be about the about every day. Mm-hmm. It's not really about the future as much as it is every damn day. So and I am so damned appreciative for every damn day. And the fact that I can walk and I can walk my dog and what a what an incredible area we live in. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, yeah. So we've been kind of quiet about it. You won't see anything on social media about it. So. Well, good. Awesome. I mean, that's a great way to live. Got him. And actually, it's odd, but this day-to-day living, I think is really, and I mean, your, your situation is unique. But with everybody else in this pandemic and stuff, I, I really think that it's it's changing the way that people have an outlook on just how the, they live, you know. And You're forced to be family. Yeah, you got to be with your family. You have to you have to find other things to do than what you know. Then distract the, yourself. The social, yeah, the social aspect has changed so much, and but I really think that people are thinking about this day to day, twenty four hour. That's we have to live now. We have to live with what we have right in front of us, mm-hmm. instead of not that there's anything wrong with having hopes and dreams and future plans and stuff, but it's like we need to be appreciative for what we have right now, and we need to live our life that is right in front of us. Right now is the shortest time of our life, and that's what we have to be aware of more than anything else. 
And if you think about it, this is, this replicates life a generation, two generations prior to yours. So not yours, not mine. Well, almost mine. So my parents and how I grew up with intense family and everything happened in our house. All the meals happened, uh, all you know, the aunties and the uncles and everybody took care of everybody. Mm -hmm. And it was just right there. And it's almost, it's almost the same thing. Though we lived in one house. I don't think I mentioned I grew up in a house with my grandparents and no. wow. four aunties and uncles and all their kids. <laughs> we were an immigrant family. We lived together. So there were just... All of us, little Italians, in this household, uh, 1,200-foot brownstone in New York. And... Holy smokes. It was incredible. It was incredible. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. it was very loud. I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was very loud. <laughs> yeah. um, so the difference between then and now is we live in singular houses yeah. with just one or two of us. No, we're so we're slowly like taking away community <laughs> to, for independence. Yeah. Air quotes. We as we grew up, we had very few outside friends because there's so many of us. Mm -hmm. You know, the cousins, the cugini. Uh, we lived. We were each other's friends, and then as we moved out of the uh, grandparents' house and had our own houses, we still lived right next to each other. So we were each other's best friends. Um, so then moving to the West Coast was like, what the hell? Big culture shock. What? Oh yeah. What? What did we do wrong? Why oh, yeah. did you move us? Out? You know, why did we leave everybody? Though it's interesting because all of us on the West Coast, so my immediate siblings, Mm -hmm. all have we're all entrepreneurs we're all most of us have degrees we've mm -hmm. all done things differently than the family that stayed behind who um who didn't mm -hmm. didn't go to school yeah sure blue collar workers uh, they all still live within the same immediate area uh it's like a rerun of the sopranos <laughs> I mean, it's hard it's not to think of it that way. It truly yeah. is. <laughs> I I didn't want to bring truly, that up because of the stereotype, but it's like it truly wow. is. Wow. Yeah, and they look at me now, you know. So going from the law practice to being a coffee roaster, they look at my hair. They look at my absence of long fingernails or high heels. You know, I'm wearing keen shoes. You know, yeah. I'm wearing khaki pants. And they just go, what the fuck happened to you? <laughs> you used to look so good. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And now I'm thinking, I look, I look really good now. Wait you, look, you look really I look, good. I look great. Yeah. You know? But I, it's so different than, than my, uh, my cousins. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sure. My cousins, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Hmm. All right. <laughs> I have to giggle all the time. Jim looks every time we get together and look at the women's hands because they're fingernails out there. And... Yeah. Well, I, but isn't that just kind of an East Coast, West Coast thing anyway? Yeah, and West Coast, I not think. Not necessarily Italians or anything. Because when I, when I went to New York, I just noticed that all the women had 
nasty fingernails. They're just so. It it's wasn't like, the. How it do wasn't, you type? Was the true professional sound? Well, it was. Yeah, yeah maybe. Not. Up and coming. Huh. It was that generation that was trying to move upward. Yeah, because. And it actually, I think, was, I noticed more in New Jersey than in right? Yeah, in, in New, New York, York, the same thing. <laughs> you know, the secretaries, the, you know, the legal assistants oh, had, yeah. had all that. But then the attorneys did not. The partners did not. So, huh. yeah. Oh, interesting. Very well, interesting. <clears throat> all right. Next Please, question. Please, next question. Where does your inspiration come from? I mean, you kind of have been... You, you've sort of been alluding to all of this anyway. All of these questions are just sort of what you're already talking about. I believe that my awakening and my inspiration came when we moved to Bend and then Redmond, Oregon. And we had a little bit of acreage. And we were the total remake of Green Acres, that TV show in this. What was that, the 60s or the 70s? Yeah. Green Acres. So here with these Italian New Yorkers with a couple of acres um, raising chickens, cattle, oh, a little bit of cattle, a uh, few calves, horses, geese. The eggs had no shells because we didn't know yet what to feed the chickens. Um, the poor calves uh, just were all rib cages, stun heavily stunted, you know, they were two years old and they just looked like babies with huge rib cages because we were starving them because we didn't know. We just kept thinking, Green Acres, you fed them a little bunch of hay from your hand. <laughs> um, but the neighbors, the surrounding neighbors took pity on the animals. Good. And they stepped in and that was when we started, uh, really paying attention to animal husbandry, farming, mm -hmm. and Mother Earth News was something somebody had introduced us to. So I think that was then. Redmond, Oregon, Mother Earth News cool. uh, had 10 acres, and we're, I was growing food, and I was doing it organically. I was having babies, and I was making their baby food, and I was yeah. doing everything I could um, as naturally as possible. Uh, before moving to Alaska, then moving to Spokane. What part of Alaska? I moved to uh, Anchorage. Oh, cool. Just up there for a few years. Um, then moved to Spokane and <clears throat> law practice and yeah. life changed, though my commitment to um, organic foods had not changed. Yeah. I think that was the beginning of the awareness of what you eat mm -hmm. is what you become. Sure. You, you create who you are based on what you put into your body. So that was the beginning of that. Though I wasn't as concerned about the environment until one day walking into Huckleberries and there's uh, where some of the people from the Lance Council, our nonprofit environmental group, uh, out solicit soliciting for new members mm -hmm. and I checked them out explored them and boom I have been a firm I've had a firm commitment to supporting every environmental group you can name since mm -hmm. then so wow but that was the beginning cool that was the beginning murder earth news 
<laughs> so, yeah, right on. And then the Love Lands that. Council, and now the Land Conservancy, mm-hmm. uh, Sierra Club. Yeah. yeah, obviously. Hey, right on. So I, I voted for Nader. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. <laughs> I did not. But sometimes I wish I could go back and change some of what I did. I was such a yeah. staunch Republican for so long. Yeah. I was the environmental Republican, which made no sense, right? So. Yeah. Um, There's got to be one. Here I am. I'm not sure what I am, though I am. Uh, all for anything that preserves whatever remaining resources we have. Yeah, totally. Awesome. Well, right on. Cool. Um, Well, the next question, I'm pretty sure I know what your answer is going to be, but... What's that? Well, the answer is going to be no, but, well, (laughs) you don't know what the question is, so... Uh, Do you feel in control of your life? Yes. Oh, Sweet. Yes. All right. Okay. Well, I'm that's in good. control of my life. All right. Um, well, are there things that keep you down, though, otherwise? Well, let's hear about how, how. What do you mean? I run two businesses. I have, uh, empl- I have a team that embrace the values and ethics mm-hmm. that I believe. And, and they support those ethics. And... They delve right in and yeah. they promote. I, what else? So while you can't control your health, mm-hmm. you can control every, so much more. And, and that's what I control. And to some degree, I can also control my health, right? I, I work with a naturopath in addition to, you know, oncologists yeah. for cancer. I... I eat really well. I don't eat grains. Grains contribute and feed cancer. So I I don't eat grains. Just so I do drink bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so you pick and choose. <laughs> Can you be in control to some degree? Yeah. Though this last four years politically, I felt totally out of sorts. Overwhelmed. I. That's odd. Really? Why is that? So, but here's how I dealt with that. So, four years ago, my daughter, my granddaughter, and I went to Washington, D.C. to join the women's protest. Oh, you did? <laughs> yes. Awesome. Uh, so, can you be in control? To some degree, you can't change some things, but you can not just make known, but within yourself, it satisfies the need to take action. Yeah. The need to, yeah, just make a commitment and do something. And even though you're not really going to change the outcome. You have to have courage to change least, the things you can. At least you know that yeah. you you did something. Yeah. You know, and since then, I've, you know, I've repeatedly taken actions and while I thought they were inconsequential, obviously they weren't. Yeah. So nothing is inconsequential. Mm-hmm. That doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> cool. Well, that's great. Well, I I mean, I don't know. We don't even need to talk about that anymore. No, that's great. Awesome. All right, moving on quick through the next couple questions. Um, 
Oh, this one's fun. Maybe. Maybe? Well, I think it's fun because I have a lot of things on the list, but um, what have you done that is truly wrong? Truly Ooh. wrong? Or, or can something be truly wrong? You don't have to incriminate yourself. Can uh, truly... Honestly, I don't think you care, but... <laughs> <laughs> what have I done that was truly wrong? Hmm. He, perhaps, you know, being a first-generation... American, mm -hmm. Italian-American, we were programmed to pursue higher education and a professional career um, and earn, earn money, earn big bucks. And I did. And I did. Mm -hmm. You know, I, we were successful. We so that's one. what you've done is truly wrong? <laughs> <laughs> oh. It didn't... <laughs> Well, it didn't have much value uh, for sure. me, okay. for my children. Um, all we always succeeded in doing was make a lot of money and be huge consumers. Mm. Huge consumers. How many cars? I mean, we had a huge house. We had a house in Seattle. We had a house in Spokane. We had cars. We just... Sure. Uh, we had housekeepers come in every day, yard oh. workers, you know, just to... Total crazy lifestyle. So it's kind of a hindsight wrong. Hindsight wrong. I, 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 I wouldn't do it that way again. Mm -hmm. I, while I could almost say I regret it, I don't. Only because having lived that way and living the way I live now and living my life prior to that lifestyle. So an immigrant family and <clears throat> I have to say that the life before making megabucks and the life after they were sweet they're sweet lives. We were so busy chasing money and spending money that um, we were just focused on earning money and spending it. That's all. So. That's a bar. <laughs> yeah. yeah, life now is. My life is sweet. It is a sweet life. I, I enjoy it. Uh, the house now. It's funny when Jim and I bought the. decided to move into this house. Mm -hmm. We were walking around looking at it, and Jim had made the comment that this house was smaller than the main floor of my house, my four-story house we were moving from. And I giggled and laughed and said, it's smaller than the bedroom. <laughs> it's smaller than the master bedroom. <laughs> um, but it is the most, I, I absolutely love my house. Yeah. So... I do. I'm, I'm contented. I'm happy. I share it with many, many people. Uh, it's perfect. Yeah, cool. Well, I mean, do you believe that they're... Like, what do you think of when you think of things that are wrong? Wrong? Yeah. How, <laughs> how do you define it? Wrong. Like, do you think that things can be truly wrong or... <laughs> okay, this, <laughs> this might be... Minor, but when I'm in grocery stores mm -hmm. and people take a grocery bag, allow 
the checker to give my grocery bag. I want to fucking punch him. Oh. It's so not right. It's so <clears throat> wrong. And I'm vocal enough that I will turn around and say something to them. And I will tell the checkers, you shouldn't offer anybody a bag. And if somebody asks for a bag, you should punch them. And the people behind me all go white. Wow. Um, I think it's wrong when we live in excess. You've got that. When we use things that we're just going to throw away. If you're going to use it, then continue to use it. Make sure it has repeated uses. Again, it keeps coming down to we truly have limited resources. So I guess what's wrong is when you live in excess that that product that item doesn't have continued use down the line i hear you no i i get it i i agree with that very much yeah. it irks me i i wish that i could say things sometimes when i'm in situations where i notice this stuff but i feel like that I don't have you, the, I mean, I, I, I guess technically I could say, it, but I don't want to like, you have to be an aging female New maybe Yorker. Maybe that's what it is. Yes. <laughs> because I do, and I do it fairly often. And I, yeah, I'm sure people just want to smack me, but I want to smack them. Yeah. So, and I do it with a smile when I say it, but we have to we can't we can't keep doing these things so i'm i'm not going to change the world but i i'm desperately trying one person at a time and i think about how i learn things i something touched me and i might not have acted on it and then i might have seen heard it again mm -hmm. and then again and then again before yeah. it really resonated and really took hold and i embraced it and acted on it and i was just a I would assume that's most of us. We learn when something touches us how many times before it truly resonates and then we act on it. So I'll just be out there <laughs> with the first touch. Yeah. Though I have to say it really pisses me off when people my age act like stupid assholes and don't embrace more sustainable practices just in the grocery stores sure bring your own damn bag yeah no bring your bag if you don't have a bag fuck you carry it <laughs> so and i if i if i forget my bag i literally will hold my shirt out and stuff my stuff in the back really? i mean in my shirt i yeah i will yep i sure will hmm. so well i should do that because i hate it when i forget my bags Oh. And you know, if you make a statement without even attacking the person behind you or the person in front of you, it says, oh, damn, I forgot my bag. I don't deserve one. Here, give me that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah boom, boom, boom. Huh. So. I do like that idea. All right. Sweet. People want to punch me. I think if people don't want to punch you, then you're not living correctly. Mm -hmm. you're, you're not expressing yourself because... No one agrees with everything that everybody says, so yeah, yeah, that okay. means that you are living your life. Yeah, that's awesome. And what are they gonna do? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. hopefully, you don't get follow punched. me home. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 
We have two questions left. This one is quite wordy, but it's also very loaded and can go who knows what direction. Um, what is your opinion about the natural hierarchical order in reference to humanity? Can this, does it all come together? <laughs> okay. Got it. All right. Got it. It's funny you should mention that. Because as I was pulling into my garage tonight, I thought, fuck men. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay, let's hear it. <laughs> my best friends are men. My husband's a man. I, I, yeah, I, I do love men, but fuck men. They have fucked up the world. And it is time for, for women to step up and help change that. Now, that's not to say that we don't need men. Obviously, we do. <laughs> and we don't need to be controlled 100% by women. We need both. Uh, but till now, we have been dominated and controlled and ruled by men. Mm -hmm. So, you know, getting to a point where it's 50-50... It's so important. We have just got to change how we think and what we determine is important. And seemingly to men, it has been profit and it has everything has been profit, 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 profit. Um, and it can't be always profit. We're, we're destroying ourselves. We're destroying the world in exchange for profit. How much is left? So, no, men, fuck men. Time for women. All right. That was uh, much more succinct than I thought. <laughs> and the thing is, I'm so glad my husband isn't listening at this moment. He, he might, might be. He can, sitting there is the he door. sitting there listening? He oh. could feel really threatened at this moment. Um, and that's not the intent. But, yeah, fuck being ruled. Yeah. By men. Have to change that equation. Yeah, we do. What is that, how is that going to happen? And what does that look like? I don't know, New Zealand has a female ruler? <laughs> they do. I don't um, think they call her a ruler, but yes. Ruler the Prime Minister? <laughs> okay. Um, we would. If it was a male, we would call him a ruler. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now... I don't know. I don't know. Can we make it happen? How old is civilization? And it hasn't happened. I mean, we burned powerful women at the stake. We've, you know, any... Throughout history, we have destroyed powerful women. Um, perhaps we're ready. Yeah. We'll have a female vice president. Meh. I mean, I'm, I'm tickled. I'm delighted. Will we go further? You know, obviously, so. a couple of years ago, we couldn't have voted for a female president. So, I, I don't know. I would, I guess, I'm going to stick with my answer. No, I, it's a great answer, and I think that you are right. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, I mean, I, being one, I completely understand where you're coming from. <laughs> um, okay, I love it. Um, I think that 
that's the best answer that I probably have gotten since I've done this podcast. It's funny because <sighs> since Michelle has moved, mm -hmm. my best friends are all men. Mm. I work in a male-dominated industry. I mean, not just locally, but internationally. The reason I got flown to Rwanda is because I'm one of the few female roasters in North America who embrace and support women coffee producers. Uh, so it's very interesting when you get all-expense-paid trip to Africa to represent females in the coffee industry. Yeah, I believe that's called mansplaining. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so. um, yeah. All right. Well, I mean, we're we're almost to the end now. This this last question is a little lighthearted, but it, it's important too. What is your theme song? Or do you have one? You think you could pinpoint something? Ah. Because frankly, I can't. And, and that is one of the reasons that I ask this because music is really significant in my life and I can't put Is it Joe Jackson? <clears throat> Joe, Joe Jackson? Jackson has a song that I don't know, I don't know who Joe Jackson just is. makes me giggle, laugh, I can't, sing I can't and dance. Have, we can't play it though because that's copyright infringement. But. No, no, but I'm trying to find out the name of that song, Joe Jackson. Let's find him. I don't even know who Joe Jackson is. I I think he's somebody from a long time ago. Ah. <laughs> um, I'm going to find him for you, I think. Upside Down by, it's not Joe, it's Jack. Jack Johnson. Upside oh, Jack Johnson. Down. Oh, yeah, I know who Jack Johnson Upside Down. And it's... Upside Down by Jack Johnson. Every time I play that song, I smile. Because it's all about we have to change things. We have to change the world. We're upside down. But it's so upbeat and it's... It just makes me smile. And I will play that song often. And oh. just it pulls me out of doldrums. Uh, when I want to just stab people for being stupid, mm -hmm. I play that song and it's like, ah, you're not really that person. You just pay attention, be kinder, be gentler, change your speak, yeah. change your talk, change your focus. And instead of stabbing that person, give them a shot of bourbon. <laughs> oh, so. great. Not you. <laughs> <laughs> I see. It all comes full circle. No. <laughs> Give me a shot of bourbon. Um, yeah, and you know, I never, I never have been a drinker. Having grown up in an Italian household, we only drank red wine with dinner. That was it. And it wasn't until uh, my first round of cancer six years ago, my neighbor introduced me to bourbon. And damn, ever since then. Seriously? Yeah. Six years ago. Six years ago. Oh my goodness. Six years ago, introduced me to Bourbon. We, he lived across the street. He, uh, he worked for a distributor. Oh. And he was so surprised I didn't drink hard alcohol that he lined his Do kitchen. Do I know this person? Probably. Oh. Eric oh. Hagelin? Oh, I, I, he is the distributor for Southern yeah, yeah, Spirits yeah. or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. He lives right across the street. <laughs> he took me over there and he uh, 
started feeding me all these cocktails made with bourbon until he found what I liked, and then he start, then he backed well, off. Of course, after you get done lying, you start liking them all. <laughs> then oh, he backed off of the cocktails and started moving more to just the bourbon. Mm. And I was like, and I'm like, how am I getting home? Because <laughs> <laughs> you're right across the street. Down. <laughs> so, so that was the beginning of bourbon, and it has been a nice addition to my life. I've really enjoyed it. Ain't right on. Cool. I think I think it's really helped too. You know, when you talk about fear or something like that. Um, it's nice since I don't overeat. I don't eat sugar. I don't eat, you know, so many of mm -hmm. the foods I grew up with grains and tomatoes. And so you don't eat pasta anymore? Eh, if it's gluten free. Mm. So um, but that has been a nice addition and and while I know it's not the best thing it's like fuck it at this point fuck it yeah at yeah. this moment it is <laughs> <laughs> yeah I keep it at work I keep it here this this is good this is uh, what did we say this was Balvenie or was this oh, Oban yeah Oban yeah so it's scotch it is scotch it's nice, and it's not super peaty either, because I don't at like all. really peaty scotch. At right? all. It is uh, west, southwest coast of Scotland, so it's not the Highlands That peaty. means nothing to me. <laughs> yeah, it's know. not. Peter so Shields lower, <laughs> lower Scotland isn't near as peaty as the oh. upper, the, uh, the upper Highlands, high, Highlands. No kidding. So, well, yeah. this is delicious. That guy was so funny. He, uh, we went to the distillery, and he was talking about. I just got back from Sicily. He goes, it was fucking hot there. Wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> like a fucking oven. <laughs> you know, how to get back? <laughs> you know, and he was like, I bet. Yeah, that's that's my dad. Cold in Scotland. That's my dad's <laughs> country. But yet here I am as a Southern Italian, and I love. Our weather. I yeah. love Scotland's weather. I like this. This yeah. is who I am. Summer, I hibernate. It's like, who the hell likes this? Yeah, I, I kind of agree. And I lived in Thailand for six years, and yeah, it was I rough. <laughs> yeah, I am good. I have the boots over there. So I have to right now, every time I go outside, I have to change on my boots if it's icy. Yeah. Uh, so, but... I just, I'm out every day in this weather. Summertime, Change I hibernate. Change or do you use like yak tracks or something? Yeah, yeah. kind of like that. So, but they're actually little chains, little cable chains. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's just because I can't, I can't fall. Oh, yeah. So, I fall, I break. So, it's like, mm. that is crazy. It is so fucking crazy to think that you can fall and break. So, it's, I haven't. So, um... Yeah. I'm a happy girl right now. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah.